Good to be back here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, James chapter 1 today. James chapter 1, as we look into God's Word um, today uh, together. The other week, you know, I was um, going down the road listening to the radio, like many of you do. And um, as I was listening to, to the radio, this is what came on. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test. How many of you heard that before on television or radio, right? Yeah, we've heard that before, and uh, we say, wow, man, it makes you lean in. Doesn't it make you lean in and say, hey, what's happening here? What's going on? What's taking place? And so it's only a test. And so the test comes, and you, you listen to that, but it's providing the potential uh, warning of, of bad weather, critical issues, um, disasters uh, that could happen, but it, it makes you think and uh, to understand that that is only a test. And I want to talk to you today about this is only a test. Uh, in our Born for Greatness series, this is only a test. In James chapter 1, verse 2, says this, count it all what? Joy. Those are amazing four words, not just in the good times, have joy, but count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he said, count it joy when you're going through trials of different kinds in your life. He says, for you know, you know this, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance have its full effect that you might be perfect that you might be complete and lacking in nothing. That is powerful. I really want you to notice this at the beginning line and the last line in this. Count it all joy, not because it feels good to be tested, am I right? But because that is where you and I grow. You and I grow in the classroom. You grow stronger under pressure. Pressure is where diamonds are formed and babies are born. Are you with me today? Right? It's under pressure that those things happen. He's saying, hey, don't try to get out of this test prematurely to run from it. Don't try to escape it by quitting, quitting school when it's not fun, leaving your job when you're under pressure, or changing your church just because changes are happening, but count it all joy because you're growing and getting better because you're getting more fruitful. Now, that you might be perfect, complete, and lack in nothing, and in between that is where he says is the test. That's what's really going on when you are in this season, in this time. You think nothing good is happening, but God is working it all out for his glory. Isn't that true? Things are going to work out, and it's going to be that God's perfection is working itself out in your life and complete. Why? So that you will reach your full potential. You have to go for a completion, right, to reach your fullest potential. So God always has something good in mind when we're having bad days and bad seasons in our lives. Isn't that true? It's true. Jesus began his ministry in the wilderness. That was his first test. It was a wilderness experience there. And I just kind of want to just talk about that and level the playing field right from the beginning today because 
we all have wilderness experiences in our life. Isn't that true? We do. They come. And what we have to understand is we follow Jesus, who uh, as believers we follow, and that we can speak the word of God in the points and in the seasons of wilderness experiences in our life. Listen, Satan led Jesus to the wilderness. Amazing, after he comes off of the prayer and fasting, he leads him there. But I want to let you know, the devil can lead you to places, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there and allow your temptation to turn into sin. How many of you are with me today? Amen? What you need to know, though, is that everyone goes through the wilderness. It doesn't matter who you are. You may be in a wilderness experience right now. The wilderness can come in forms of a drought or in forms of a dry season, but we are not meant to live in the wilderness. We are not meant to stay in that place where it is dry and there is a drought. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy 8 talks about this, and you can read this on your own time, that he tells you he will not leave us in the wilderness experiences of our life, but the wilderness is a test that you and I can pass. Amen? The wilderness test, though, comes in a way where questions are plentiful and answers are few. How many of you ever realized that in your wilderness experience? You know, the questions come, but the answers are few. That's usually the wilderness, that, they, that it's there. You're surviving, but you're not thriving in that moment. Understand this. There is nothing wrong with you if you are in the wilderness right now. When we come across an experience of the wilderness in our life, we many times think, what's wrong with me? And I'm going to let you know today, if you're in a wilderness experience, nothing's wrong with you. You're human. You're going through it. Jesus went through it, but you and I are not called to stay there, but it is there that we can identify the wilderness, right, and that we are going to pass the test so that we can get to our potential to make the necessary changes so that you can enter the next level of potential in your life. So before Jesus began his official ministry, he went through the wilderness experience and went another level, where he felt distant from God. It's in your wilderness experiences, isn't it, where you and I feel distant from God. We really do. We feel that way. He felt the same way. Jesus felt that feeling you and I have sometimes. Jesus was pressed. He was pushed. He was tempted to the wilderness to doubt God and to even take matters into his own hand. How many of you know there's a great temptation when we are in the wilderness of our life to take matters into our own hands? Isn't that true? God, you're not doing anything, so I'm going to go ahead and do it, right? I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. But it is God's word that sustained him. And if there's something that I can say for the day that we live in in the world and in, 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 in the church and, and as believers and, and, and speaking just honestly today, that we need to be people that are in the word of God daily, some way, somehow, in God's word, receiving sustenance and strength. Amen. It is going to be so vital, and it is so vital for us to do that. So don't stop if you're in the wilderness today. What is it that you can do to live at the highest level of your potential in Christ? We will gain rewards in heaven by what we do here on earth. How many of you knew that? How many of you knew that? We are going to get rewards in heaven. The Bible says, not, not because I said it, because God's word says that we will be rewarded in heaven for what we do here on the earth. That is, that is so important as we understand living out every single day that we are all going to be rewarded based on what you and I do today. 
with the moments that you and I have on this earth, that we will be rewarded that to live up to our potential and the gifting and the opportunities that God has given to us. We are to make ourselves, with God's help, through the challenges of our life to consider, how can I become the person that God can use in a more effective way? How is it that God can use me to solve problems, to meet needs, to work on challenges? How is it that God can use me in my generation to make a difference in the people's lives and the lives of the people that are around us now? Whether you realize it or not, you are the only Jesus that some people will ever experience in their lifetime. And when you think about that every single day, at every single moment, for the people that you see, the people that you don't see but they see you, that you are probably their only experience with Jesus that they might have. So it's imperative that we consider and think about what God can do in and through me and to make my life count and to make my life matter. But along with that, we are actively looking for the next generation of church leaders right here at Abundant Life Church. On a consistent basis, we are looking for those that have accepted the call of God or to take a step forward towards God's best. We're partnering this fall, as you know, with Southeastern University as an extension site. And through that, there is opportunity to gain an accredited education, but also practical hands-on experience right here at Abundant Life Church. Why are we doing that? Because we know that God wants us to plant more churches in the future, and it is going to take godly men and women to do that from our own midst with our own DNA. I would just say, if you just felt a tug at that moment, you'd just ask God what that means in your heart, that you would seek him and what he's saying to you. Today, I want you to know that your life is filled with opportunities known as tests. Your life is filled with opportunities for greatness through opportunities known as tests. You know, tests are a place where someone's potential is tested. So before a product goes to market, how many of you know that it's tested first? Before it got on, you know, the shelves, and you and I went to go and buy it, it was tested somewhere in the factory. Quality control went through, and they tested the product out before they put it out for somebody to buy. So it's to prove that it's user-friendly, that it's safe. It's ready to fulfill its purpose. Aren't you glad if you use a hairdryer that when you turned it on, it didn't turn into a blowtorch? I'm going to thankful. I saw somebody's hair today. It looked like the blowtorch got you. No, I'm just kidding. Aren't you happy for that, right? You turn it on with confidence. Why? It's been tested because what? It has been to the place to check its potential. Isn't it good to know when you're getting on an airplane that people that you're flying on the plane with, those pilots, they've gone through grueling tests and they have passed a test so that they could pilot the plane. Anybody happy for that? I am. Yes, that's for sure. You're glad. You know, it's, it's not good ever if somebody comes up at the gate and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this afternoon, the pilots did not show up, so we're looking for anybody to fly the plane, right? That's not good. We're not getting on that plane. I mean, we're not going. We're not going to do it. So 
it's, it's crazy. We were flying uh, last Sunday night back from Tel Aviv into D.C. and flying back, and there was a guy in the plane who's over to our right, and we're at the back of the plane back there, and, and uh, this guy was acting really weird and awkward, but he's like, oh, you know, and he sees the flight attendant. He's like, he asked the flight attendant. He's like, hey, hey, man. Uh, and now the plane is almost full, and the doors are about ready to be shut, and here we are at the back of the plane. The flight attendant walks in. And he goes, hey, man, are you the pilot? I'm going to shake your hand. The guy's like, no, I'm the flight attendant, and I do a better job back here doing what I'm supposed to do, right? And, and so am I. I. I think, and I'm going to tell you that because sometimes the word test comes off as a negative connotation, doesn't it? It goes back to our days in school. We studied for the test. We failed it, and we're like, oh, man. But I want you to begin to look at it this way. In your testing, is something that's more positive and something that happens not only in your life but in other people's lives in forms of tests where we have the opportunity to actually and literally move forward in our life wherever and whenever we pass the test. We literally move forward at that moment. So I would like you to do this. You help me say this out loud. I am being tested right now. I am being tested right now. Tell the person next to you. I am being tested. Tell the person next to you. You are being tested right now. And the person that doesn't want to look at you, you look at them and say, you too. It is only a test. It is only a test. And I want you to pick up on this verbiage because I want you to be able to look yourself in the mirror on those tough days and whenever there's opposition and you're facing problems or whatever you're going through, that this is an opportunity where you can prove yourself strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you can prove yourself at that moment of having poise under pressure where you can prove yourself that you are prepared for this season in your life rather than getting down about it, but you're going to hold your head high, you're going to put your shoulders back and know that you were born for greatness and you were born for that moment and that this is only a test. We need to remind each other, don't go sideways in the moment of testing. It's crazy how many people go sideways in their life in the moment of testing, isn't it? Like people get offended in the moment of testing, right? How many of you are with me? We live in this world. Like I'm offended and they, because they're in a test and they don't see it as it is. There's Christians that walk around offended all the time. Don't go sideways on us, church. Don't go sideways on us, believers. This is only a test. Not an opportunity to get offended and whatever it may be, or you get goofy and awkward. It's only a test. It's amazing how many people come up to experiences their life over and over again, and they get offended over and over again at the same place, different place of their life, different geographical place, whatever it may be. They get offended the same thing, and they circumvent the plan of God, or they try. But how many of you know God's faith? He's going to bring the problem up again to you and to me, right? To push us forward to prove that he is strong and we are strong with his help. This is only a test. There are a number of tests that we will face repeatedly in our life. But we have to understand testing always precedes promotion. So when you're going through testing, there's a question waiting to be answered, but the test comes before the promotion can come. And we are born for greatness and God will always test us before he can promote us to greater things. 
you need to know that you can pass the test. So testing in our lives are the same way. There's a season where we go through testing. I hope that you can get this into your spirit, and I hope that you can be encouraged today that testing leads to promotion. So I'm going to talk about some tests. I don't have time to talk about all of them, but here are some tests. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready to be tested. The first one I'm going to talk about is the test of small things. Again, is there anyone who just wants to stay stuck in their test? No. We want to pass the test. I want to advance. I just want to make sure that I'm talking to the right people today. Are you wanting to advance? Say yes. So the test of small things comes to prove your potential for greater opportunities in your life. The opportunity of greatness comes to prove your potential for greater opportunities. Here is the question in the season of small things. It is, can you handle more? Can you handle more? It's a big question for all of us as a thinker. And it shouldn't take a flippant answer. And the way that question is answered is by the observation of how you're dealing with what you already have or what is already right in front of you in your life, what God has called you to be in and lead and guide. There's a story of a guy in the Bible named David, you know him, that lived in the shepherd field and he eventually became the king of Israel, but the pathway between shepherding and being a king is proved when he lived out his potential one small opportunity at a time. As a shepherd, he proved he could protect his father's sheep. He proved that he was brave, that he was skillful, and that there was nobody out in the field, Fox News, so let's go on the backside of the desert here in the shepherd. Let's ask David. David, you know, how are you passing this test? Are you taking care of the sheep? You know, none of that, none of that, no, no, no. He was doing it in the quietness and the humility of what God had called him to be. He's very alone, but instead of wasting his time, he's wondering. He's not this, he's not, and, and let me just, just have you understand this. There are too many people wondering, when is my big break going to come? You know, like, when, you know, when is that going to happen in my life? When's the big break? But you see, in David's life, he's becoming better with what he has in his hand. And what was in his hand at the time was a shepherd's staff and a slingshot. He's becoming the best shepherd that he could be. He is thinking, how can I protect these sheep, my father's sheep? How do I guard them for the future? He's slinging stones, targets, fence posts. He's getting better day by day. Then I think it began with, we understand in Scripture, we see predators, small predators. He takes out the small predators. Eventually, he faced a lion. He became a lion slayer. His bio is now David Lion Slayer. Then he went after the bear, Scripture says, and his bio changed again. David, bear, slayer. In other words, he became the best of shepherds. And it turns out that the shepherd's field was a proving and testing ground for him, getting him ready for the ultimate battlefield in his life, where David volunteered to fight Goliath, where other soldiers, his brothers, they were scared. They didn't even, have, they thought, no way. And, and David stands up, and we understand the scripture at that time. He says, I'm not going to take that trash talk from you, Goliath, talking about my God and my people and my nation. I'm ready to fight to the death. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, it says, you come at me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, 
But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. That is awesome, right? Think about it. We're not talking about a wrestling match. This isn't fake WWE, right? This isn't a boxing match or an MMA fight you can tap out. This is the fight for the death. And if he won his nation, he would win the war But he gives us an indication when he was talking to the giant of why he was so courageous. You know, and it went that God was with me when I faced the lion. God was with me when I faced the bear. And God is with me today. Then he has this edge on him, like shoulders back. And he told the giant, I'm going to feed your carcasses to the fowl of the air. Wow. You're going down. I love that. But here's what you have to understand that you and I have to go through a time of testing and we're gonna have to pass that test, but when you do, it will grow your confidence. It sets you up for the future where you go through difficulty and you go through struggle and and the problem of the lion and the problem of the bear in your own life and and then God will give you confidence to face the giant. The giant went down and David moves forward He wasn't even in the military, but soon he became a military leader. The progression of David's life is amazing. He was so good at being a military leader that the people loved him. They started, the Bible says they started rallying around him because he had one victory after another victory after another victory that the next move for him was to become king of Israel. His fame grew so much in the land. We understand that, that, listen, David didn't just wake up one morning in the palace He fought hard out in the field with what was in front of him and what was in his hand. And and how many of you know that there's too many people in the day and age we live? I'm speaking to a generation of young people that I love in this room and in the sound of my voice. That too many people just want to wake up out of bed in the morning and expect to be in the palace the next day. But it takes hard work to get to the palace like David did. It doesn't come easy It comes by hard work and knowing that God has called us to do great things. If you're under 30 years of age, please listen to me. Please don't tune out, but lean in. I just try to save you a little bit of heartache because I'm on a journey of learning too. That if you're praying for open doors in your life and say, God, please do this, please do that, give me this space, give me that land, rather than just praying that, look around and ask yourself, what's in my life right now What's in it that I have an opportunity to do well right now? And don't allow yourself to be too big to do small things. Don't allow yourself to be too big that you don't do small things. The Bible tells us whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, right? So, you know, if, if it's a broom in your hand today... If it's a broom in your hand, be the best floor sweeper in America. Right? Do it for the Lord. I've had people tell me, well, I'm working this job, and they feel down. Don't don't be, no, no, no. God has you there for a reason. Do the best that you can do in this place that God has called you to be right now. Um, When I went to North Central um, Bible College, and, and I went there, and I knew I had to pay for my schooling and and, and many things like that, like many of the rest of you, and understandably, I had to get a job. So, 
you know, I wasn't there but a couple days, and I went and talked to the job placement coordinator. His name's Dan Larson, great man of God. And he was in there. He's talking to me. And, he, yeah, I, I was telling him, hey, I need a job. And, you know, Monday through Friday at these certain hours and this, this, and that. You know how schedules are with college and all those things. But, but I, I was in there talking to him. He goes, wow, those are going to be some difficult hours, John. But you know what? I will keep my eyes open for you and believe that that's going to happen. But we have other jobs on the job board here and, and uh, maybe call some of the employers. But while I was talking to Dan Larson in the room, I kid you not, his phone rang. So he looked at his phone. He got, he was, I need to take this. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, oh. Well, I think the person you need to talk to is right here. Hand me the phone. He said, this is a job, and I think this is probably where you should go work. I picked up, I listened to the person on the phone, and they're like, yeah, those hours will work just great. Isn't it amazing when you go God's way, the doors that he can open for you? And then I think, man, you know what? I got an opportunity for three years to go work at a Lutheran, Lutheran church and school, and I got to sweep the floors. And listen, I wanted those floors to be the cleanest in Minnesota, and I was there. I was cleaning things up, man, and doing the best I could. The gymnasium, the floors, the narthex, the sanctuary, wherever. I got to wax the floors. I got to buff the floors. I wanted them floors to be shiny. I mean, my goal every time was I'm going to make it shinier than before, right? Right? I just want to do that. And then three years later, Dr. Carolyn Tennant calls me into her office and says, John, I want to talk with you. And I go in there and uh, I talk with her. And she said, John, I think you would be great at serving as our job placement coordinator over the Bible college. And I was like, what? No way. And I tell you that not to boast in me, but to boast in the Lord. That you and I are called to do the things right now with what's in our hand and what's in front of us. And God will take care of the promotion later. So many people are concerned about the promotion. Don't be concerned about the promotion. What is it that God's put in your hand right now to do? And do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. And watch God promote you. God will promote you. I said, God will promote you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I get angry of the apathetic nature that the enemy is bringing into young lives today. I'm just speaking my heart. I hope you love me after I'm done. Or the apathetic nature of Christians and churches. We have the best of intentions, but do nothing about the things we're called to challenge and change in our lifetime. Like lying in bed, hoping we're going to change the world. What? That won't happen. I don't know what bill of goods somebody sold to you. The enemy, he's a liar. I'm just going to lie here and play Fortnite, and I hope the world is going to be changed. <laughs> it's going to be different, man. After I play this game, or I just stay here and watch ESPN all day, the world's going to be a better place. No, it won't. You and I are called to get out there and do the work that he's called us to do. So I'm sick of the enemy line to people that waste days that turn into months, that turn into years of their life. And some of you in this room, you're just too quiet for me. I'm, I'm tired of the enemy wasting days, months, and years of people. Somebody ought to be helping me preach this message today. Amen. But that we get it into our mind because the enemy is trying to destroy your opportunity for greatness. I mean, just get in your mind, you get into your spirit, whatever is in your hand, that you're going to do the best that you know how, and you're going to stand up, and you're going to get out there, and you're going to do it. 
And if I don't have something to do and I say I'm bored out of my brain, I'm going to look for a problem and I'm going to solve it with God's help. The test of small things. The test of small things. There's also the authority test. If you have respect for Scripture, understand Romans chapter 13 and verse 1, if you'll turn there with me. That Scripture teaches about our attitude for authority. Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. There is no authorities that exist that have not been established by God. That's what that's saying. You look it up and study it. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. If you're here today in the sound of my voice, and you're rebelling against any type of authority in your life, you're rebelling against God, and God's judgment is on your head. You understand that this was written, Book of Romans, you understand the Jewish people who were God's people, they were living in oppression to a Roman government. You understand then the context of how this is written and where this is written, that our greatest test with authority comes when we disagree with authority or see the faults of those in authority. See, your attitude is not tested when the authority in your life is doing everything you want them to do. Isn't that true? I mean, that's not, there's no test. That's not testing. Your attitude is only tested whenever you don't like what they're doing. Whenever they were abrupt, whenever they seemed inconsiderate, whenever they seemed a little sharp with their words, that's the moment. That is the test. This is the test. That is a test in your life to respond in a positive way. It's only a test. Can you say that? It's only a test. Another one is the motivation test. The motivation test comes when you're doing the right things and you're saying, well, well, just it's more than doing the right thing. It's what's behind it that you do the right thing for the right reason and with the right heart and right attitude. And I understand that there may be people here today uh, that you just came for your wife or you just came for your girlfriend, and we are glad you're here, and we're glad that you have showed up here today. You could have showed up for, for, for wrong reasons, but listen, God can use that and begin to minister in and through your life today in that you understand that God has a way, if we will allow him to adjust our heart and our attitude of our heart so that we're not just doing the right thing, but we're doing it for the right reasons. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He's saying, listen, this isn't about drudgery. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord together. Amen. That, hey, this is not drudgery. I get to come and worship and serve the Lord. I'm together with my family. I'm together here with my wife. We're together worshiping the Lord, and that's my decision all the days of my life. It's the same thing with giving in 1 Corinthians 9 and 7. says, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, it, it doesn't say uh, that just a giver. It says God loves a what type of giver? Cheerful giver, as Kristen said. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that God loves it when we are having a good time giving. Amen? God loves it when we're having a good time giving. I mean, we should be having a good time. So God loves it when we give our first, our highest, our best, not bitter, not selfish, not sour, not complaining. God loves it when pastors and church leaders teach people in the counterintuitive act of giving. It's counterintuitive because it doesn't come naturally to us. God loves it when we adjust our attitude to turn from human selfishness to godly generosity, that we move there, 
that, that we, we are not just learning about generosity, but we are becoming more like God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves it when the whole church rallies around tithe and offering. God loves it when the church graduates into the thinking of giving as a privilege and not a pressure. You ever see that in this church? We don't pressure people to give. It's not our job. I mean, that's not why we're here. We're not gonna be condemning about it. We believe though, as people understand and follow scripture and they love God more, they're going to want to do what God calls them to do because God, I love you and I wanna please you as my child. That's what this is about. You're learning generosity, not a burden, it's a blessing. And we get to invest in the kingdom of God. We get to invest today. So many of you have invested in our, in our campus in Clearbrook and uh, so many have gone. They're heavily invested. That's their church now and they're part of us and uh, that's where that's their campus and they're, they're there. They're heavily invested in serving and giving and, and some of you are invested that today gives an opportunity because you gave that there are children's lives that are being ministered to the gospel at their level of understanding throughout this campus and our Clearbrook campus, that there are, there are young people that are out there that are changing their pathway because you are giving to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are lives being changed. There's people receiving water baptism. That's because you just said, oh, God, I'm gonna honor you. This is a test, but I'm gonna pass it. The last one I'll talk about is the warfare test. In the day of adversity, you will feel small. The Bible talks about that. And it's not saying God's strength is small. It's saying my strength and your strength is small. The message version says it like this, and I love it. Proverbs 24.10. The message version says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. Woo! Now that is a zinger. That's one we can chew on today. How many of you agree with that? If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. That's some words of wisdom. So what do you do if you're falling to pieces here today? You view the pressure as developing you and making you stronger rather than resenting it. You have to embrace the pressure. Why? So that you can live up to your fullest potential and become stronger. So when you're going through this sense that I'm not as strong as I want to be and and you need to go around and you need to begin to look for those areas where there are problems in our world and begin to help solve those and the trials and the testing and lost humanity that, that uh, you exercise your faith with confidence in, in God. That, listen, I want you to understand that you will have to fight for heaven's best in your life. How many of you are with me today? You will have to fight for heaven's best in your life. It will not be given to you, but you will have to fight for it. You will have to fight for it. Not just talk about it, not just learn about it, but you will have to fight for heaven's best in your life. There are some big victories in your future. If you're willing to fight for it, they are there. You are stronger than you think you are. And I want you to get that into your spirit. You are stronger than you think you are. And just right now, out of a place not flippantly, I would just encourage you, would you turn to the person on your right and your left, and would you, because we don't realize many times the power of words. We don't. But life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death in this moment. In this moment. So we're going to use this laboratory. I want you to tell somebody next to you, 
you are stronger than you think you are. Sometimes we don't even believe in ourselves. I struggle with that. You are stronger than you think you are. You need to know that you're doing better, a whole lot better than you think you are. The enemy has this dupe. We think we get up every day, we trash ourselves before we even get out of bed in the morning. But you are stronger than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are right now. Right now. And so God will give you great and mighty victories as you stand on him and his confidence. So Mark Twain said it, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog, right? So come on, it's time to to get ourselves out there and see God fight through us, amen.